0: John Philip Sousa led the Marine Band to new heights of popularity during his tenure as leader from 1880 to 1892. It was during this era that he earned the title the March King, a well-deserved nickname that continues to this day. Of the 136 marches he composed, one has stood out above all the rest. It was composed in 1896 as Sousa sailed back home from a long European vacation. The inspiration for this march was born of a combination of homesickness, fond memories of his time as leader of the Marine Band, and his stirring recollection of the American flag flying over the White House. The resulting march became his best-known work, and in 1987, it officially became our national march, the Stars and Stripes Forever. the happiest four minutes and 42 seconds of your life i don't know what is that was the president's own marine band and the stars and stripes forever hi this is mike Hoskins, your host heroes hope how's everybody doing this red shirt friday uh we have a guest this week mr fred bergeron how are you doing, Fred?
1: I'm doing great, Mike. How about yeah. you? Amazing. So Fred
0: is a former Navy. He is a, a, a CB, 12 and a half years. Yeah. That's correct, Michael. Nice. Well, welcome. Thanks Thank for you. joining us this Friday. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, this was like we ran into each other yesterday. You were running in uh, right. Carmen's shop and I was running out and you're like, hi, Michael. I, I don't I don't recognize you. <laughs> you had your face mask on. So I didn't correct, recognize you. Correct. So uh, we actually had somebody uh, cancel for this week. So um, we had an opening for you. And yes, that was, and I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you being on short notice. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What brings you around these parts?
1: Well, you mentioned me being a, a Navy Seabee. I'm a second-generation Navy Seabee. My yep. father himself was, was in the Navy, and... When I was contemplating my military career, he said it didn't have to be the navy, but he actually convinced me to join the Seabees mm-hmm. just because of what I was interested in. I was interested in being a mechanic. I liked okay. being around the equipment and things like that, even though he was a builder. So I I got hooked on the Seabees and you know, followed in his footsteps. So and and I loved I loved every minute of it. In my last year in the navy, I actually spent uh my last Tour of Duty and Road to Spain. Okay, and that was probably my nicest, my nicest tour of duty since nice. I was in the Navy.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: So twelve and a half years, you did that yes. and
0: enjoyed every minute of it. And yes.
1: you said you got out. What? What got you out? Well, with the particular rate I was in, or some places call mm-hmm. it the MOS, it was just hard for me to make make rank. As, okay. as, as hard as I tried, I it just it just wasn't working out like I wanted it to. I mean, that was. Really, if, if I had any setbacks in the Navy, that would have been it. Other than right. that, the rest of my career was great, Michael. Yeah,
0: my younger brother, he actually did 22 years Navy and uh, retired out. So, uh, yeah, not uh, not the easiest of military. You guys spend a lot of time out to sea and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Seabees, you guys do a lot of fun stuff. Right. Tell tell our uh, our audience... So a lot of them may not know what a CB is. I mean, they they may see the stickers and wonder what is it. Tell exactly. I know I know the motto. Mm-hmm. Tell them your motto and and tell them what you guys really are known for.
1: Well, the motto for the CBs is "We build, we fight," and it's mm-hmm. actually it's actually a takeoff of the letters C and B for Construction Battalion. And I I have kind of a funny joke, Michael. When I describe the CBs, I tell people it's not you know we're not the Navy people that you see on the ships. I said. We're we're land based. We're ground pounders, yeah. and mm-hmm. the funny story I like to tell people is the only time we see water is if it's raining or we're taking a yeah. shower. That's 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 really that's really how I relate
0: yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, so you guys like I used to love watching because you guys got the big giant land movers and and wow. they're all up armored with fifty calves on top and like so imagine you're on a construction site. In the middle of Daytona, when they're they're moving all of the earth out here, say like down off a of, off a of ninety-five, uh, where they're doing a lot of the construction, you see the earth movers out there, people. And now just imagine these earth movers, like with heavy thick armor. And, and guys in full battle rattle. And they got 50 cows mounted on top. And these guys are literally, like, they will be in firefights while they're building up berms so that the troops can come in and be safe. So these guys are, like, the first ones in there setting up so that we can come in and we can set up the, the forward operating bases, the contingency operating bases. So it's not a, um, a, uh, a light duty job. Correct. cbs are pretty pretty hardcore when it comes to the navy guys
1: oh i mean and just like any other branch today mm-hmm. you definitely, definitely have to be in shape you know especially yeah. with especially with a lot of what we did you know believe it or not even though we use a lot of heavy equipment there was mm-hmm. a lot of manual labor oh, involved as absolutely. well yeah definitely you know, mm-hmm. you know like my dad you know i'm helping i'm helping with some construction sites in case you went that wrong nail right you know <laughs> as you're using a hammer yeah so that wasn't very fun either no no exactly So
0: after you got
1: out, you you have
0: quite a story. So uh, I've gotten to know you some. We met at uh, Million Cups here in Daytona Beach. Uh, It was my first Million Cups. And and we talked a little bit. And uh, we kind of shared some commonalities between us. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your story after getting out of the uh, military.
1: Well, I I went to college, used some of my GI Bill, and I had a couple of jobs. And then I had a job working in a tire factory and on— valentine's day i got the rug pulled out from under me and i heard those infamous words someone wants here, hear and that was fred you're fired mm. and it was from that point forward that my life went downhill from there um and believe it or not michael i ended up homeless but i was homeless with a job well wow. and how that happened was the only job i could get was making about sixteen thousand dollars a year from about a forty five thousand dollar a year job so mm-hmm. i had to do what I had to do right. you know and i ended up losing my car my home mm. ended up sleeping in tree houses mm. salvation army my car you you name it i was mm. trying to do what i could to survive mm. wow
0: now i mean there's a lot of opportunity out there for veterans most people are thinking well mm. what about hud vash or what about some of the other programs but what a lot of people don't understand is for people that don't retire out, there may not be, or if you don't have a veterans a VA claim, there may not be opportunities like that. So, so you probably had some struggles trying to find some processes. I I,
1: I, I did, and it didn't it didn't really come to me until I got back on my feet that there were these mm-hmm. programs available. I'm going, where were these programs right. know when, I, when I really needed them? But now I kind of use that as a crutch because I'm a homeless advocate. Mm-hmm. I kind of use it as a crutch in my story when I do presentations right. and let people know You know, these these options are available. We have the Salvation Army. We've mm-hmm. got the United Way. We've got the VA. Mm-hmm. All these other programs that right. people don't know exist that now I'm an advocate letting right. people know that you know, don't make the same mistake I did. You know, help help is available. Yeah. You know, this is what's out there. I mean, most homeless people, they don't have access to a computer. Mm-hmm. They don't know about going to the library. They don't have smartphones. So they don't know what type of help is available. Right. Mm-hmm. So they'd have to to across someone like me, someone like yourself, yep. but let them know, okay, here's what's available, you know, in your situation. Yeah.
0: So something you said when you started started that process out right there, you said... When you're speaking, mm-hmm. and that's something that fascinates me. Mm-hmm. So here's a guy. Now, people think homelessness. These people choose to be homeless. So they're going to be stuck out there. They're never going to do anything with their lives. They're probably drug addicts. They're probably alcoholics. And and you said, uh, when I'm out speaking as an advocate. So talk to us about your speaking, because you've actually turned this negative part of your life this this struggle this trauma you fought through it you got through it and you turned it into something where now you are actually out and you are in the community and you're speaking to people so talk to us about some of the places you speak and and the things you speak on
1: well my speaking started when i used to work at the holly hill chamber of commerce and my boss at the time knew my story and she heard me tell her that i wanted to be an advocate Mm. and she said well have you heard of toastmasters i said yes i have and i said I didn't really think I needed it. She said, well, if you're going to be an advocate, you're going to be doing a lot of speaking. So I highly recommend joining Toastmasters. So that was why I joined was for the whole advocacy thing. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, it paid off because I spoke at Elevate Daytona back in July of 2018. So two years ago, I believe it was. And told my story and made a difference. And how I led into my story was I've got two college degrees. Mm -hmm. I'm a military veteran and i'm a business owner and i was homeless and i was trying to make the point that homelessness can happen to anybody it's not it's not a choice with me it was it was circumstance with with me and i was just trying to get people out of that stereotype is Mm -hmm. yes you may see these people on beach side sleeping under a pier or begging you for food that when they really want is money i wasn't that guy but i was just trying to make that point that not all homeless people are are like that look look past that you know look you know put yourself right. in their shoes for a yeah. minute that this can happen to anybody. And apparently my story made a difference because I had people coming to me after my Elevate speech going, number one, I love your speech. And like, number mm-hmm. two, they say, I ran across somebody at the 7-Eleven and, you know, he, he, he was homeless and I remembered your story. And, you know, they said, I, I almost stereotyped him, mm-hmm. but they said your, your, your story really meant a lot to me that I actually turned it around and say, how can I help you? Yeah. You know, what, what, what do you need? Yeah. You know, I said, I walked them in the store, just like you said, you've helped other people before where mm-hmm. you won't buy them food, but you bring them in the store, have them pick something and buy the food to know that they're legitimately hungry. Right. So they said, your story inspired me that much, mm-hmm. where... I, I do the same thing. It's a, just a random act of kindness. And I said, yeah, and it's also called the snowball effect. You do that once, right. 100 people will find out, and 100 more people will do yeah. it. You know, so Nobody wants to be left out of that process. Correct, correct. That's one of correct. my
0: favorite things when we were making the sandwiches here over the past few months during this whole crisis. Uh, our, so my buddy Diego, he's a former Navy also, and his two boys, uh, Samuel and Kyler, they helped make sandwiches and they would bag lunches. And we would video them, you know, and show people and we got from those videos, we got more volunteers or more donations because people saw two young boys volunteering and it just stirred something up in their hearts. It's like if them kids can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And it really moved the uh, the people to do that. So nobody wants to be left right. behind when when you're doing something that feel good, you know. Right. So um so you 're speaking around here you 're doing advocacy. We have quite a, a homeless veteran population here don 't we
1: yeah and, and people don 't don 't realize that, and really the only way you 're going to know is if you ask them exactly. some, peop- some people have been surveyed mm-hmm. some people choose not to answer, so it 's it's just a mixture i mean that 's how I found out about you and your story mm-hmm. that we related just yeah. just running into people and just asking yeah. them, just introducing yourself and the story will come michael it i does. found out yeah. you don 't really have to be nosy. this yeah. story just comes yeah. into place. When when you build rapport with somebody, right. You know that's how you and I found out we were both veterans and yeah. we had similar stories. Yeah. So that just go out there and just mingle and just get to know somebody. Mm-hmm. Don't don't cast any stones. No. Don't don't do any prejudices. Just get to know them, and you'd be surprised what you'd find out about these yeah. people.
0: And, and you know we got to cut the stereotypes. We can't be judging people. We're not in that place anyway. We're not the judges. Correct. Right? Correct. Correct. Our our jobs here is, is to be compassionate, mm-hmm. to look out to make sure we're taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And and not only are you an advocate in this community, not only are you working with hopelessness, mm-hmm. using your experiences, your hopes, and your strengths to reach out and, and to do these things, but you also, now you own your own business. Yes. You started your own business, and it's like, talk to us about your business.
1: Well, right? it's funny you said that, because part, um, part of my business is real estate. Right. And, you know, I do real estate sales, I do credit repair, and I do real estate photography, and with the real estate sales, I don't know if you really want to call it my tagline, but I like to tell people I'm on the other side of homelessness now. Yeah. You know, now mm-hmm. I'm helping other people, people find homes. Those, so now it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of a, an oxymoron, right. so to speak, <laughs> you know, that, that yeah. I'm literally on the opposite side of homelessness now. I'm trying to help people find right. find homes, and that's, that's, how, that's one part of my business. And I got interested in credit repair when a friend of mine showed me the business model and I said, you know, this makes sense because I run across a lot of buyers who have less than stellar credit. Mm-hmm. But it just make sense if I implemented this into right. my to my business model mm-hmm. and I can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. I can help them fix their credit and help them get into a home yeah. at the same time. So it just made sense. And my other passion is photography. Mm-hmm. And I've started to delve into the real estate side of it. Um, I love photography. Uh, if you've seen some of my photos on Facebook, I love taking night Photos, things like that. There's just something about taking photos at night that just Mm -hmm. pops. And I was telling some friends of mine I met at a networking event, that's also a different perspective. You know, people don't see that perspective when you take pictures of properties. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, hey, people are in the houses at night, too, not just during the day. You know, you've got to show that perspective. You've got to show that perspective, too. And the name of my business is called Norgreb Ministries, and it's my last name backwards. And Mm -hmm. I came up with that name, and the R and the E in the first part of my business name stand for real estate um, because I believe I'm a real estate educator. Okay. You know, not a real estate salesperson, not a real mm-hmm. estate agent, but a real estate educator. I'll educate you on the buying and the selling process. I'll educate you on credit and finances, what mm-hmm. you need to do to get that home, okay. you know, what you need to do to prepare your house to sell and mm-hmm. things like that. And as a photographer, I can say, okay, if you want me to take photos of your house that look really good, you know, declutter your home, you know, <laughs> or here's a before and after picture here's a house that you know with photos with dishes in the sink or ones that don't have you know try to make my job easier too but I also try to educate them too so that they know I'm this I'm not there for your money I'm Mm -hmm. there to help you you know I'm there as a I'm there as a consultant or as an advisor you know I'm there to 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 help you I'm not here to to take your money I'm here to help you make one of the biggest decisions in your life and hopefully I can put you on the right track by steering you in the right direction.
0: Okay. What what inspired you to work towards real estate?
1: Well, for one thing we're in Florida where right. real estate's <laughs> booming, but it was the fact that I could set my own hours, I'm mm-hmm. my own boss because when I was working in corporate America, I got turned down for so many promotions. I've got mm. two college degrees, I got my military experience, and it just seemed like no matter how hard I tried, I kept getting turned down, or the people I was training would mm-hmm. end up getting some over me. I'm like, no, this can't be. So I came up with a saying, Michael, and that is, if I can't be my own boss, be your own. Mm. I like that. So do you find
0: that um, with your, uh, your experience in being homeless, that when people come to you wanting to buy a home, mm. do you find that um, you feel this desire inside to find them a home at all cost.
1: <laughs> yes. And I mean, I only use that story if I absolutely have to, mm-hmm. I don't use it every day, but if there's, if I'm in a situation where just people are on the fence or like with this whole COVID-19 mm-hmm. thing going on, you know, or they're giving me a sob story, mm-hmm. I'll give them my sob story, you know, mm-hmm. not, not to try to one up them or anything, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying, okay, I know you've got a story, but wait till you hear mine. Mm-hmm. And then, that will really build the rapport and then really kind of smooth things out, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, I'll, I'll let them talk and then I'll tell them my story. And then sometimes their eyes get like this and they're like, you were homeless. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they're like, yeah, but look at you, look how you're dressed. I said, Hey, don't judge me by how I'm dressed. I said, just, I'm letting you know, I've been in your shoes before Mm -hmm. so I can, I can relate." So then they, they kind of, kind of backtrack a little bit like, like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And then they're going, okay, well talk to me some more. So, i've had some pretty good relationships just from letting people know my Mm -hmm. my story you know so you know every story they give me i tell them my good i
0: like that so obviously we're heroes hope Mm -hmm. our job here is we're offering hope that's that's our our goal and we talked about this before so i always say that if i make a difference in one person's life today then then i'm i'm good that's mm-hmm. that's all I desire to do is make a positive impact in just one person's life. Now, if, if I affect more people than that, then great. But I, I have that's my goal every day is to make a difference in one person's life. And you said mm-hmm. you were talking recently with some people, and that's exactly what you guys were talking about also.
1: Right. And it's, it's funny because you talked about Carmen, mm-hmm. how we ran into each other, and I did an interview with her uh, a week ago. Yeah. Uh, on the 3rd, and something we talked about was our passion, mm-hmm. and she talked about my story at Elevate, yeah. and then I'm speaking again, and I told her about her interview with Johnny McGill, mm-hmm. who we both know from yeah. from One Million Cups as well, mm-hmm. and the Daytona Chamber, mm-hmm. and how he told his story about someone he mentored yeah. and, and how she was a victim of th- domestic, uh, domestic violence. She was actually killed and recently. It was one thing when he first posted it on his Facebook page, mm-hmm. but when I heard him tell Carmen about it, and I told Carmen yeah. this, I was like, man, that's the side of Johnny McGill I've never seen before. I'm like, he's usually
0: a very upbeat, very positive (laughs) person, and this really hit him hard.
1: And (laughs) she gave him a shout out today on my Facebook page, and he basically said the same thing you did. He said, if we can make a difference in one person's lives, Mm -hmm. then then we've done our job. And Carmen and I agreed about that, and we even said it on my on my talk show that if we can just make one difference in one person's life, we've we've done we've done our job and. You know, that's when we came up with the concept of several of us do these broadcasts. Let's do a a, a four way broadcast right. and tell your story. You know, and I think this is the best way for people to to tell your story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you heard Carmen's story. Yeah. You know, we need to hear more stories like that. And mm-hmm. I think with Johnny's story, with my story, with Carmen's story, I think when the people see and hear our stories, that we're business owners, mm-hmm. but we've been on been there, we've been yeah. on these these bad ends yeah. of the, the mm-hmm. tracks and what that that i think it really opens up a lot of people's eyes and really encourages them to to come out yeah. come out of their shell and say i got a story to tell i got you know what i got to say bring it on we want to hear that story we yeah. want to we want to make a difference in the community you know for one thing we want to help you know we can't help you if if you keep it all bottled up mm-hmm. and so, and like you said we don't judge nope. you know if if we can help in any way tell us your story i mean if you want to tell it to michael if you want to tell it mm-hmm. to me carmen adrian barker we're there for you yeah. tell it, tell us your
0: story it, it's, it's amazing the people that are in this community that um that, you know you can go to a lot of communities and you can find a lot of people that um they they like to play the victim card mm-hmm. you know what was me everything has happened to me and we've probably all been there as some i know i've been there uh, at one point in my life but at some point i had to pull you know i had to lace up my boots i had to pull myself up and i had to say okay i'm not a victim I'm going to make something happen Mm -hmm. and people hear my story and they're, they know me now versus then. And they're like, there's just, they they can't, Mm -hmm. they can't relate Mm -hmm. and they they can't figure it out. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're saying, you know, okay, cut the sob story. Here's my story and look at where I am. Look at where Fred is. Mm-hmm. Look at where Carmen, Johnny, all these people in our community. We've got so many strong people in this community that have similar stories. And they've all said, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to be a victor. I'm going to make something happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what you're saying, right? Yeah,
1: a- 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 exactly. And, you know, tell, you know, if you were afraid at one time, I mean, even if you've got to tell us in private, this Give us, you know, let us be your shoulder to yeah. cry on. If 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 you're afraid to speak in public, if you're mm-hmm. afraid to be on a podcast, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Let us let us help you. If you want to tell us in private, mm-hmm. you know, outside of this office or this building, we're there for you. You know, whatever we can do, you know, whatever we can do to help. I have mm-hmm. another friend in the Daytona Chamber. She runs a nonprofit organization for abused children. It's called Our Children First. Mm-hmm. I met her at uh, her ribbon cutting. She's doing it for a great cause, right. you know. And when she found out my story, we found out how we can relate. And I mm-hmm. and I hooked her up with all kinds of people to help her with her event. I introduced her to my friend Autumn. Mm-hmm. She was on sixty minutes. She yeah. she she was a homeless person and was also um, uh, abused as a child. Mm-hmm. So she had a story to tell. I said, "Hey, I need." To, they're good friends now, right. you know. I I told her about your story mm-hmm. and and how you two connected. So it it is amazing the people you meet mm-hmm. just from getting to know them on how this just snowballs, Michael. And right. and it's a good snowball effect, yeah. you know? It is. But the is. key
0: the key is finding somebody, finding a buddy mm-hmm. and trusting them. Mm-hmm. You got to find a buddy. You got to trust them. And then you got to be willing to walk through it with them. You can't do it alone.
1: Yes, yeah, you are correct. You are correct. You know, and, you know, I kind of have, it's not really a Rags to Riches story, but I kind of have a success story that, I never thought in a million years what happened. You saw probably, uh, probably saw my recent post on Facebook about two people I commended and mm-hmm. Toastmasters, two people I was mentoring. And keep in mind, Michael, I did not approach them, they approached me. Yeah. They you know, they're like, Man, you know so much about Toastmasters and I moved up in leadership, wasn't mm-hmm. expecting to move up in leadership, especially I had that mindset about getting turned down in the outside world right. that mm-hmm. Toastmasters saw something in me that, believe it or not, I didn't see because I mm-hmm. still had that self-doubt yeah. because of what happened to me out, outside of Toastmasters. that and, and I proved myself. I was a division director for a brand-new division, got mm. them to President's Distinguished, which mm-hmm. is the highest mm-hmm. achievement any, distinguished, uh, any um, division or club or area can accomplished so i feel pretty good about that and the two people i've mentored they've accomplished the highest achievement you can achieve in toastmaster and that's Mm. distinguished toastmaster and they were both um, presidents last year of their clubs that they got to president's distinguished which again is the highest achievement a club can get so Mm. that made me feel really good and next month at our vegas day event they're having what's called the dtm walk the distinguished toastmaster walk and we've had 77 so far, and that's the record for our our district. Mm -hmm. And I've told them, and i told a bunch of my friends, I said, you know, when I see you march, I said, I'm going to have to have literally a box of Kleenex because Mm -hmm. I'm going to be crying tears of joy because I'm so proud of you and the accomplishments that you've done that even I have to take a step back and say, I can't believe that this happened, that I was was actually sought upon to be mentors Mm -hmm. to you two and here that's you go. That's a are. good feeling. That, that's why I'm saying. somebody selects
0: you yes. to mentor them. Yes. I, I, I've been in that position of yeah. a young man that I've been mentoring. Mm-hmm. He's been on the show a couple of times, Josh, and he called on me. Mm-hmm. Right, I didn't force myself. He called on me, and I was like, wow, this kid, trust me, this is pretty stinking awesome, mm-hmm. and as he progressed, I, I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're, you're yeah. talking about, the the emotional aspect behind when they actually, like, they're graduating, they're moving on, they're they're getting to that next level, they're the clarity, everything's coming about. It's, it's well, and, that, and that's what it is, is that. the
1: reality is going to be, I mean, it sunk in now, but it's really going to sink in then. It was just like when my father passed away. I didn't cry until the day of his funeral. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same concept, is the reality isn't really sinking in until I see it. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, that's just how proud I am that, you know, based on what happened in the past and my low self-esteem, knowing that I made a difference in other people's lives mm-hmm. by having them follow in my footsteps to be successful. Mm. And believe me, these two people I mentored, Michael, were very easy. They you know, they they were never resistant. They 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 worked with me, but here's the biggest reason why I think they were as successful as I was. We all had the same vision. Mm. We all had the same vision, so it was very easy to mentor them. Right. We all had the same vision. We all had the same and and results in mind, mm-hmm. the same goals in mind, yeah. so it was very easy You're to on a mission to to. Met, I just had to steer them in the right direction, mm-hmm. and you know what, Michael, they rolled with it. That's they good. they rolled with. it. Mm-hmm. I showed them the way, and they excelled nice. in it. So, yeah. and that's a good feeling mm-hmm. for me, knowing that you know they came to me and that they they accomplished at at the top of their game, and mm-hmm. then some. And they're both district leaders in our Toastmasters district, mm-hmm. so that that's a good feeling. That yeah. that's a really good feeling, and. One of my mentees even did a speech because I sent him and my other mentee an email. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I've mentored you. Now it's your turn. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel that they're at that level now. I do the same thing. I feel that they're at that level now. It's it's your turn. I said, I will always be your mentor and you'll always be my mentees. But now it's your turn Mm -hmm. to be the mentor. It's your turn to make a difference. I said, I've seen the improvement in you. Now it's your turn. To do the same thing and one of my mentees actually did it as a speech it was very touching he gave me a shout out so that makes me feel good mm-hmm. too that you know he put a lot of it on me as helping him right to, to to get there and and that makes me feel really good because the way i look at it is he didn't really have to put me in the picture mm-hmm. i just wanted people to think that he did this whether he did it with my help or not people mm-hmm. saw a difference right in him a year and a half ago than mm-hmm. they did now I didn't really want to take the credit. I just wanted people to see the difference in him. The fact that he gave me a shout out was a plus. Right. But you know, I really didn't want to take the credit. I just wanted people to see that that he made a difference and even kinda of have people think, Man, you you know, you you, you turned yourself around, you you kicked mm-hmm. some serious butt here. Just having them think that maybe he just kinda of did it on his own, but you know, I'll take credit if you give it to me, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't expect you to give it to me, and I'm right. not going to – I'm not one to brag that, right. you know – Not you looking know, for you know, that, and... that, that. Hey, I was the one that – no. Yeah. You guys saw the accomplishments. Yeah. He did that. I just pointed. Right. And he went the right way is all Follow I did. my footsteps. Yeah. So that, that's you know, that's all they the did, f- Michael. Imprint, yeah. You know?
0: I make the imprint, and you just step where I Pretty step. much, Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. So let's get back a little bit to the process of transitioning from homelessness into, into housing. So that can be a process. I know when I was going through that struggle, when my wife and I were mm-hmm. going through that struggle, um, it's not necessarily always easy. So there are organizations that help with that process. What organizations do? do you remember that uh, helped you with that? Process? The
1: biggest one was the Salvation Army. And I was living in a different state at the time. Mm-hmm. And they actually charged just a few dollars a day to actually charge to stay there. But because I had a mm-hmm. job, I could, you know, I could, and then after a week you had to leave. So right. I'm like, well, I'll sleep in my car for a week and then come back. Mm-hmm. And I actually made some pretty good friends and I actually helped a guy who was homeless. Mm-hmm. To this day, I helped get him a job. I was doing uh, part-time work as a, auction car driver oh and i found out he just didn't own a car he couldn't afford it but he had a license mm. and i took him there one day and he hit it off i said, now i do need to let you guys know he doesn't have a car but he's a good person he's got a driver's license he's got a clean record mm-hmm. they, to this day they love him mm. they 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 you know because he's very helpful and we've lost touch but the last time i saw him he said man i gotta thank you for Helping with, you know, get that job. I say, no problem. I said, I just failed that I owed it mm-hmm. to you. And he, he hasn't. He hadn't had a job in like two or three years. So he absolutely, he absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, it, the pay didn't even matter. It's the fact he was getting a paycheck. Yeah. He didn't even question the amount and the fact that he was doing it on a consistent basis. You know, even though it was once a week, mm-hmm. he loved it. He loved doing something he liked doing. He was getting a paycheck. You know, mm-hmm. and he knew that he was slowly going to get himself out of there and with me because I was working, an opportunity came into place where I got a job promotion doing something else where I was working at. It was required me to be on the road setting up stores um for office depot. And okay. so my income like tripled based on mm. that type of work. And I used that to my advantage, started setting the money aside, uh built my credit up a little bit slowly and I found this real inexpensive apartment to rent Mm -hmm. that was very reasonable and then later i got a job working as a government contractor so like you said it was a process i mean Mm -hmm. and plus the fact that when i'm bound and determined to do something i'm (laughs) bound and determined to do something you know i'm going to make something happen it may take Mm -hmm. me a month it may take me a year it may take me 10 years but by golly i'm going to accomplish it one way or the other Mm -hmm. so i was just bound and determined for sake of embarrassment michael right you know i was like this this can't happen again. I, I gotta yeah. do something to dig me out of this hole. So yeah. I was just determined to to get me out of this homelessness, and I took advantage of the opportunity, got myself out of it, and you know, hopefully, I don't ever get back to it. But mm-hmm. you know, that's why that's why I have a story to tell. Is yeah. it can happen? You know, don't take it for granted just because you got a good paying job. If you're not prepared, it can happen to anybody. You know.
0: Yeah, and I, I remember that feeling because we had actually. Uh, moved back to Washington state and we were actually sleeping on the floor in my sister's house. And I woke up on my birthday and I ended up getting some VA back pay. It was a blessing in disguise. I wasn't expecting it at all. Uh, And it was a significant chunk. And I just remember that when I saw that now, you know, me being at that time, a guy in the world that, you know, I love motorcycles, I love cars, I love all of these you know, worldly things, but I'm sleeping on my sister's floor and it was humiliating. And I wanted to go out and buy a fancy bike that I've lost and a fancy old school car that I lost. And, you know, all these. but I knew I never wanted to be in that position again. And so we actually decided at that point, like, these are what we're going to do. We had gotten ourselves majorly into debt. We had gotten ourselves in a, you know, just In a bad place, and so we decided at that time we were going to pay all of those bills. We were going to get a house, and then so we got something to rent. But then we went and we bought ourselves a fifth wheel trailer and a pickup truck. And I told her, "said We are never going to be homeless again, even if we got to drag our home around with us." And that was the starting point. That was in 2015, and that was the starting point to uh, us ending up down here to be close to her parents and ending up getting into the process of one of your things that you worked through Mm -hmm. with the credit repair, we had to work on building our credit back up, paying off the bills, getting a lot of things fixed. And we moved into home ownership. So now we own our own home. And, it's a lengthy process, but that feeling you're talking about, like, this cannot happen again, when we had the opportunity, it was, it was nonstop for us. We just We were not ever going to be in that position again. I was never going to be sleeping on my sister's floor again.
1: Right, and some people don't know this, but have you heard of J.K. Rowling? Yes. Yeah, people don't know she was homeless. She yeah. was actually sleeping in her car, and mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, the idea of Harry Potter came to her while she was sleeping yeah. in her car. Yeah. Yep. And look at her now. Yeah. Look! Look at her I'm now. Living in you a know.
0: castle in England, and yeah. So it, it can happen to anyway. She's it a can. perfect example of that. You know, you just gotta do something. It's like mm-hmm. when there when you see opportunity. Now, not everybody's gonna wake up and have some money in the bank. But you could wake up and have money in the bank, and I could have made a different decision, right? Mm -hmm. I could have bought the car, bought the motorcycle, wasted all the money, and still end up having to sell the car and and sell the bike and and be homeless, right? So it's about the decision. It's about getting to that point and going, this has got to change. I'm going to make something happen. It's Mm -hmm. about the next right decision. Right,
1: and you're talking about decisions in real estate and homelessness. It's funny, I saw uh, an incident on... A daytime news show a couple of years ago there was this homeless guy and i believe it was uh new york he was walking down the sidewalk and he saw this check for something like ten thousand dollars and he was homeless yeah. you know what he did he went back in the bank mm-hmm. turned in that check and said i found this in your front door oh, yeah. and what happened was it was a real estate broker who was going there to cash her commission check and she dropped it and she didn't realize she dropped it mm. So when she commended this guy, and I think they were on a radio show, she ended up hiring him as a real estate agent, Mm -hmm. and they were coming up with game plans Mm -hmm. to help the homeless with home. So now she gave him employment based on his honesty as a homeless person. So, again, there goes that stereotype out Mm -hmm. the door about all homeless people being worthless or or panhandlers and things like that. That's a perfect example of... Making a difference right yeah. there. You yeah. Know? It's,
0: it's the next right choice. Mm-hmm. And if you step into the right choice, the blessings tend to fall. Yes. Out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we're coming to the close of our, you know, 40 minutes here, getting ready to transition over to Mr. Alex Zinnick, who's in the house. Mm-hmm. So, one last question. There's going to be somebody out there that's listening. Whether it's an individual that's homeless or struggling, or a family member that knows somebody that's struggling, what is if you could give
1: them one good solid piece of advice, what would you
0: tell them right now if they're listening? I
1: would say don't take things for granted. You know, expect the unexpected. Don't don't think that just because you've got this good paying job that you're not gonna you know, prepare, set mm. that emergency fund aside. I learned a lot of this from mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey too. Yeah. Pre- prepare yourself for the unexpected and i really think that this whole covid-19 experience was a lot of a wake-up call for people so kind of treat it like this whole coronavirus yeah. thing you know Pre- be prepared for the unexpected so if something does happen or you get the rug pulled out from under you you know you're you you don't end up like i was you don't end up homeless right. and people going what you had a college degree and you were homeless mm-hmm. yeah because i took it for granted exactly. so th- those are my exact words michael is don't take things for granted. How do people get a hold of you, Fred? Um, they can call my cell phone number at 386-405-4455 or my email address at F Bergeron, the number two at gmail.com, Michael.
0: Awesome. Well we'll post that in the uh, in the comments in the uh, Facebook Live also, as well as on our Arrow's Hope Network. Thanks for hanging out with me for the past forty minutes. Appreciate All it. All right, thank you, thank you very much. You. Yeah.